I always tell them, you're going to be as good as you want to be, not as good as I want you to be. Welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Each interview, we talk to leaders who differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. These conversations lead to thought-provoking idea sharing and growth accompanied by entertaining storytelling. Welcome along on our journey to lifelong learning, improved performance, and a look inside the competitive mindset. I said it before and I'll say it again. Check out my friends Brian and Chris and their podcast, The Greatest Games. They explore coaches' journeys, share some funny stories, and inevitably, Chris tries to stump Brian with some trivia. Check out their website, thegreatestgames.podbean.com, and 816basketball on social media. Coach Miller, welcome to the Competitive Mindset. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Bill. Well, let's get started and talk to me about your journey and how you got into coaching as a career. Well, I think coaching is, um, you know, it, it's interesting how it starts because you know, I don't really think anyone thinks about being a coach too much while they're growing up. Um, but I guess my first inkling that I thought it was kind of fun was when I was in high school and a bunch of girls were organizing a softball team and they wanted somebody to coach them. And, and a bunch of them had really never played much, you know, they just, it was a rec league. And, you know, my friend and I thought, oh, this will be kind of fun. You know, a bunch of girls want us to coach them. That'll, that'll be, that would be pretty cool. And we, we were, you know, we both played baseball. We knew a little bit about the game. So we would, you know, softball and baseball, have a lot of similar rules. So that's kind of how we started. And it just, it was interesting as I first started doing, like it was really, you know, teaching them like they had very little knowledge and a lot of them had very little background. And this is the seventies. There still wasn't women's sports from out that they're just starting to be popular. And so, you know, you were basically teaching them kind of like you would a seven or eight year old or a six year old now, you know, like basic skills. And so it was, it was, it was actually pretty interesting. And that's really kind of, you just did that through high school. And then obviously didn't coach anymore after that. I mean, like went to college and was the competitive athlete, but, that was pretty much, I, I thought it was pretty interesting to do, but I didn't think about doing it as a career, but I had a lot of fun doing it. It was fun to watch people improve really quickly. You know? Tell me a little bit about how you then got into it as a career, because you mentioned it, it wasn't even on your radar. So then how did it become on your radar to get to a point where you've been doing it for a long amount of time? Yeah. Um, then in high school, when I was a competitive you know, athlete, different sports. I played baseball, I played basketball, I ran cross country, and then I did track eventually. Uh, you find out real quick when you're afraid of a curveball, baseball probably isn't something you should be doing. So uh, I uh, I kind of went to track then after that. So, and then I, I, I didn't, then I really, to my senior year, then I thought I would run in college, and then that was pretty neat. But I was going to be a business major when I first started. And then about a year and a half into it, I realized that I'm really just kind of a, a jock at nature. That's what I like. I like sports. I like activities. So then I transferred to lacrosse. So I was at Parkside for the first year and a half. And then I, and that's when I thought I want to be a physical education teacher and a coach. That's kind of when I realized this was really what I, it's really what I liked and what I was involved in a lot. And I had a lot of passion for. So that's kind of when I got that. So in college, I, I went thinking I would be a coach, you know, then once I got done in high school or whatever. So that's kind of when it got really to be a career option. So when was the first time out of college that you coached and like, what's a story that sticks with you from your first coaching experience? My probably then I, 
when I got an you student teach, and I actually got an internship, which was a paid student teaching job, which was really nice. And it was at the Arrowhead School District. So, you know, it's one of the nicer school districts. Even back then, it was very high level, you know, nice facilities, very, very nice situation. So I was given the opportunity to help coach there while I was doing my student teaching with Mike Mulrooney, who was a legend kind of there now, but he was only in his second year back then. So then he let me coach because I was still a very competitive runner and doing a lot of running and I could train with the team. And, you know, he thought it was a really great situation. So uh, he kind of let me coach like the freshman boys. I kind of got to take them to meets, you know, the freshman only meets. And, and, but I worked with the varsity kids too and did training runs with them and things like that. So that's kind of what the first, so it's kind of like a coach runner. I mean, I was, you know, I took a little pride in going out and being able to kind of run with the team and just, you know, show them that, hey, you know, you guys got a long ways to go till you get a little faster. But it was they, I think, appreciated it that I could run that fast. And I think they thought what I would tell them, they'd a little bit take a little more stock into what I was saying. You know, like I probably had some knowledge based and I didn't really have knowledge, but I just had the skills. So maybe they thought that I must know what I'm doing. So, yeah, so that was kind of it was a very fun. Them taking stock in your knowledge. I'm curious about your first time that you remember like really competing at a high level you know, in something, whatever sport it was, but then also how you used that knowledge to help those young athletes that you were helping when you were student teaching. Well, I never really, uh, you know, competitively, like, you know, it's a winning or losing. Uh, I mean, I, even when I played sports on team sports, I was, I, mean, I always wanted to win, but I always more interested in doing the best I could. You know what I mean? Like in whatever role I was playing that day or whatever. I never, the outcomes, everybody wants to win. But I mean, I think it was more like I just want to make sure I did my part, you know, and I did what I was supposed to do, like my job, you know, when I was in the game or whatever. And and so then, so I never, I've never got too nervous about winning or losing. It was more about how I was going to do, you know, and not maybe screw things up or do the right thing and then and that's why i think when i got into running i i liked it because in running you can measure improvement so much differently than in basketball or a team sport like uh, you don't have to win in running to do well you know you don't have to be first you can be last and improve your time by a lot and it's a successful day team sports are not like that because you can have the game of your life but if your team loses nobody remembers your game you can have the worst game of your life and your team wins and everybody's happy. So it's it's a weird kind of dynamic that you go through in a team sport. You know, the outcome of the game determines how you look at your game. And so, but in a in a in, in a in an event like running or swimming, you you can measure a time and you or measure who you beat. Like maybe I didn't run as fast, but I beat two people I've never beat before. You know, these kind of things are. It's so easy to measure like improvement. That's why it's very motivating to train. Because you're not always focused on winning; it's just improving, and that's what's that's what I think very unique about it. So you just alluded to this a little bit, but I want to frame it in the sense of you know, okay, me being more of a basketball person, <laughs> running is punishment right. to you know from from the yeah. era that I come from. So the enjoyment of succeeding and improving, as you just alluded to it, but what's the motivation behind wanting to go out and put your body to the limits physically? Yeah. I mean, I think that running yeah, isn't for everybody. There is the people that play sports that involve running don't necessarily like to just run without being involved in the sport. I, that's the difference is that I liked I liked running. I think even as a kid, I just like 
running from my my house to my friend's house was a mile away. I wanted to run the whole way there was while stopping. It was like something you just like I could do it, and it felt kind of like oh I could I'm gonna run the whole way there. And so I think there's just something about it that you either it's a kind of a enjoyment. I mean, if you look at all kids when they're like five or six, and you go tell them go run over there to the tree, they all smile and start sprinting. They all enjoy running. You know, it's like it's a they're fast, they're moving, the wind's blowing through their hair. I mean, I was a fire teacher as well, you know, for 30 years while I was still coaching. So, and I was an elementary fire teacher. So you always see the kids, they kind of smile when they run, you know, like they don't look like it's punishment. So it's unfortunate that it ends up becoming thought of as sometimes punishment, you know, like, well, I'm going to make you run because you didn't do this right. For some kids, that's like, oh, thanks. You know, I'm glad, I wish I could. That's, that's a good thing. And for a lot of people, like, thought, oh, going to make me work harder. You know, it's just a weird, it's a perception, I think, that some people just have and some people don't. Like, like I can't see swimming in a pool, you know, for an hour at a time. I think, like, how do you do that? Like, that seems crazy. Like, it's hard, you know, like a two-hour swim. You can't talk to anybody, really. You've got your head in the water all the time. You're looking at the same pool, looking at a black line. Like, I don't understand that. You know, I don't, like, I can't do that. I get no enjoyment out of that. You know, I get, you know, it doesn't seem fun to me, but running is different because I'm outside. I can do wherever I can go different places. I can talk to people while I run. You know, I can, it's just, I look at it that way. So yeah, it's, it's weird how certain things you perceive differently. Like, like I perceive swimming as I would never want to do that. It's too hard. Right. So but it's aerobically something I could do, you know, so. So with that mindset piece, I'm curious if, through the hundreds, maybe thousands of student athletes that you've coached in your career, if you've ever had somebody who was really talented at whatever event it was, right? Whether it was cross country or heptathlon or whatever, but did not enjoy running. Right. Yeah. Lots of times. Yeah, you do. You get, I mean, they usually don't, by the time they come to college, they've already made that decision. So you don't get that many that they're in high school where you see all of them. I mean, they just can run naturally. They're good at it. Coaches ask them to run and they do it, but they they really don't like it. And and you try to recruit those kids and you can tell immediately when you're talking to them, like, yeah, I'm not really sure I want to do it, you know. And they have talent because you can see by what they do, but they just don't you can talk with them and it's like you feel that no, they just this isn't something that they really get a passion. They just happen to be good at it. You know, they're a basketball player, they're a soccer player, and somebody saw them run, oh, you should you should run track, you're pretty good. Well, they do it and they're pretty good at it, but you know, they, they could leave it. They could just say, no, I don't want to do that. And it's not going to be anything that they would miss. So uh, in the college level, yes, you'll get the kids. They'll still they'll run, but they don't work as hard as they are capable of. You know, they don't do the extras. So they still go through and they do whatever, but they're always kind of on that fringe of, you know, they only do what they need to do. They don't do the extra sometimes. They won't spend a little extra time in the weight room or they won't spend an extra. They run an extra couple miles on their long distance day. You know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I've had those kind of kids. But, you know, at a Division three school, when you're not given scholarships, you kind of have to tolerate it because, you know, that's their decision. I mean, if we were giving them money, it'd be different. You know, I'd pre- you'd be a little more demanding. Like, hey, you can't. you got to do this. This is what you're doing. But at this level, we we let them be kind of what they – I always tell them, you're going to be as good as you want to be, not as good as I want you to be. So, you know, hey. I'll coach you as much as you want to be coached, you know. Yeah, so, the, the internal drive is so important. So as you were yeah. talking there, I was thinking about, okay, you get kids in from high school who are doing it for the joy. So I'm curious, 
what kind of tools you have as a coach that you use to then try to move them more into that competitive environment where they see it as something that they can improve upon each day and then eventually become successful, whether it's individually in a event or as your team success moves. Right. Yeah. You try to just instill in them that you, you always should be looking at growth and no matter what you do, like if you're a student, you know, you're trying to gain more knowledge, you know, you need to keep reading and you need to keep in, inquiring and, 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 and running or your sports are no different. You want to keep pushing yourself to this next level. Like how much, how much more can I do? Can I get better at my free throw shooting? Can I get better at my, you know, at my defense? Can I get better in my 400 speed so that when I run the mile, I have a kick at the end? I mean, you have to try to get them to realize that you're growing all the time in the sport or in everything else. So you have to find, um, you know, something that you should be working on and, and, and set as a goal to try to see if you can improve on that. And those kind of challenges you know, tend to work with kids because I think, yeah, I think I can work on this, you know, like, um, and, and even if you're working on a smaller aspect, it'll improve your entire game then or your entire race, whatever it is. It, you have to, under, you have to kind of, you never, and I always tell them, don't, don't ever think you're ever as good as you are. And don't ever think you're ever as bad as you are. You, you're not, you're not either of them. You're, you're somewhere, you're always in this kind of middle zone trying to, you're going to have little ups and downs, but you've got to prevent the peaks and valleys, you know, like don't, don't ever get too high on yourself, but don't ever get too down on yourself because you have to kind of stay in the, in the moment. And you're only as good as what the last game was. You still got to prove yourself the next time or the next, the last race, you got to prove yourself again. Next, You can't live in that. If it was bad, good or in between, you have to go on. So I was teaching them how like, just let it go. And he's always looking for something different. Like how can I improve? You know, how can I get better to make our team better or make, you know, my, my in particular role on the team better. So that's where I think you, you get that competitive mindset, like, okay, you know, I got to, I got to do another thing. Now I got to take the knowledge from my last game or my last race and figure out how can I be better the next time. So I want to drill down so, on that, teaching them to be more level or even keel. So if you have somebody who is very emotional or excitable and is very maybe dramatic when things go bad and very energetic when things go yeah. well, what can you do to right. teach them to level it out? Well, I mean, you're always going to let them have, they got to have a little bit of that moment. You know, if they have a really great game or a really great race where they just give, let it yell out, you know I mean? They get pretty fired up. You got to let them have that little space of that. Or even when they have a bad race, they get dejected. They go, but you got to let them have maybe five, 10 minutes of that little pouting time, you know, like don't say anything to them right away. Let them get over it and then kind of approach it from a, good, bad, or in between, hey, that was great, you know, or hey, you know, we know we got to work on something else. That wasn't what you're capable of. And you know, and I know it, you know, we try to yeah, it's, it's just move on. We, we, you can't, um, you know, you can't, again, dwell on on what has, what, what you have no more control over. It's over with. When it's done, it's done. You know, you, you dwell on things sometimes too long. And it's like, it's over. Like, what are you going to do? You got to, you can only change it in the next opportunity you get. This is the only thing you can do. So you have to move on. Um, you know, people will recognize you're good and hopefully people will bring you up when you're, you're when you didn't have a good day. And you, you know, you, you have to say, yeah, you know, we'll just get it next time. Um, you know, it's harder to do with some kids. Some people are really hard on themselves. You know, they're their own worst enemy. You know, they, they're their most worst critic. You know, they, 
it just never satisfied with me. It's good to kind of have that hunger, but you also got to be, got to be taught to don't beat yourself up so much that it's, it's not good for you. It's not healthy for you. You know, you can be disappointed, but know that you have the ability to improve from this or, you know, from this experience that it can be better. Same with if you have a really good experience, realize that it may not happen again the next time. You got to be willing to accept the the outcomes regardless of what they are. So, yeah, it's, I have a number of people where I've had, you know, the problem of they just always very critical, you know, even when they have a good day, it's critical, you know, critical of it. And, you know, it's like I that's the harder probably person. The ones that get really a hyper and they usually come back down to reality pretty fast. But it's the it's the ones who have the, the bad day and just can't let it go that you got to work with them a little bit more on on, uh, you know, letting it go and get on to the next thing. Yeah. I mean, basketball is a great game. You know how you know it is basketball. I mean, you can just stink one game. I mean, you play, you can't make a shot. You can't, you know, it's so, and then the next day you can't miss, you know, it's, it's just, it's a strange, it's so, it ebbs and flows so hard like that. I mean, runners don't typically have those kind of dramatic swings. They're not that dramatic, you know, like there are a few seconds off there, you know, it's not zero points to 30. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's pretty hard to do. Like in running, like, it's almost like, well, I guess you could not finish or, you know, get get knocked off the track or something. And then, you know, next day. But, you know, you don't have as much of that uh, volatility, I think, that you can have sometimes in a team sport that it can happen. So. Yeah. And, and in a team sport, sometimes it's possession to possession, right? You can have a bad possession followed by a right. good possession. And, and maybe specifically right. running at a distance isn't necessarily that because you only get one competition per day and it's. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the middle of the race and you have to kind of like, yeah, you, you, you know, it's, 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 it's like you're in the race. You can't like call time out and just stop and say, wait a second, I got to do something different here. Everybody stop running. You know, we're going to, I'm going to wait to gather myself right now. Yeah. You get a little break in, in, in a team sport or a game sport where you have a clock and you can, yeah, there's a little time to talk about it with your coach or your teammates and things like that in a race. You, they'll talk to each other occasionally, but, you know, it's just hard. It's hard. You have to wait till the next opportunity. It's not within the same game. But I always I do the same thing. Though. I tell them, if you're having a bad first half of the race, don't make it a whole bad race. You know, like just forget about that and see where you can go from this point on. Don't let anybody else pass you. You know, try to catch up to your teammate. Don't worry about what the first half was like because you can't change it now. You have to let's focus on the end so that when you're done, you at least like, well, I ran pretty good in the last part. And the rest that stunk, at least you ended on a high note. So yeah. you can kind of break it down that way a little bit. But, you know, forget, forget you know, what, what wasn't good and just focus on what the rest will be like. And that helps a lot of kids. They, they say that they think about that. Like, I'll yell it to them, you know. Mm-hmm. How far can you, you know, can you catch so-and-so by the end of the race? Get four more people to the end. You know, like, you give them a kind of a, oh, that's a goal I can maybe get. You know, like, and then, and then they finished the race and like, okay, well, I did something at the end that was positive. Right. So speaking of the end, we, we go into a competition wanting a certain outcome. So let's say you, you think back to when you were an athlete or now as a coach, you go into the conference meet. Are you driven by the fear of losing that competition or the joy of winning that competition? Well, again, because of our sport in, in coaching disc runners, they, there's a different way to measure it. So it, it, you know, they set a goal, I guess, that would be like winning, you know, like I want to run this time. 
So that's a goal. It doesn't really matter what place they are. You know, they could be first, they could be second, they could be third. But if they hit their goal time or, you know, faster, then that's kind of a win. You know, they they, they, they won that day, um, regardless of place. Now, sometimes they just go to me like, I want to be in the top three. You know, like there is no time. It's just I want to be first, second or third. I, I think I can be in the top three. And that would be a win. Any of those things would be acceptable. So you have you have that. Um, and so I think goal setting in the fear, you know, so you're driven to try to get to the goal. If you come up short, that's losing, I guess. And, you know, but you just got to realize, did you put forth the effort you thought? Did you put yourself in the right position? Hey, so you can't control what the other people do. They might have ran better than you that day. You did everything you thought you could and, and it didn't accomplish it. So, you know, that that would be considered a loss, I guess. But you wouldn't think I, I my effort was as, all as good as I could hope, you know, like it was as good as I could be. So I think in running, it's it's the opportunity of what you have to do, you know, not necessarily the fear of if you get it or not. You know, I tell them, if, if you've worked hard all week and you've had the good practices, you did every preparation, you got to the race and you and you got there and it didn't work out, you can look at yourself like, well, you know, I was prepared. Some things didn't really go. What I, maybe it was a tactical mistake or maybe some other people just ran really great. Um, so that's kind of a way, you know, I look at it, it again. It's you know, in a team sport, it's going to be different, you know, like how how you feel, you know, are you going into it thinking we, we got to win this game? We, we got to win it. You know, we can't in, in a good, you know, the old good college try, you know, where you're right in the game and then they beat you in a budget. It, it, it has no like you don't feel good. It doesn't matter. You could have played really great and somebody just throws up a prayer at the end and it goes in and you lose. You know, like you played every, you did everything right and then they throw in some incredible shot and now it's over. So. You know, that, that that's so different. You know, yeah, that, you could play great, great everything went well. It's great perspective yeah. on, you know, the individual sport competition part of it right. rather than a team perspective. And I think that that's pretty neat. So as we wrap up here, I want to talk about mentors. And I'm curious, you know, throughout your life, whether your personal life or your professional coaching life, um, who's a mentor that you have had or have in your life and a lesson that you use from them on a regular basis? Well, I mean, my high school coach, you know, Bill Greiton was, you know, a great coach and we were very successful and he was a very successful high school coach. So that was my first exposure to running, you know, with him. My college coach, Phil Eston at lacrosse was, was extremely, you know, influential too. But Bill, you know, probably the first coach I had, you know, kind of learned everything about the sport, you know, of distance running from him. You know, and it just about trying, you know, always taking pride in your effort, you know, trying to you know, you, you want to be prepared. You know, he was always about, you know, doing the right preparation, discipline that way, training in, you know, being consistent with your training, um, you know, showing pride in that and uh, kind of the feeling like he would always tell us we're working harder than anybody else, even though we, we maybe weren't. You know, he just made us believe we're doing more than anybody else because we used to run in the mornings and the afternoons, sometimes two days, two day, two times a day you know, weight training, we did all this stuff. We did all these special, you know, sprints, drills. I mean, you know, he had us doing a lot of things. So he kind of was able to kind of make us feel like, man, we're doing it. Nobody's doing what we're doing. And when you start believing that, it kind of gets like, you do feel like nobody's doing like what we're doing. Yeah, coaching and, uh, confidence, right? Once it is, you have to kind of let your kids in it, whether it's true or not, you just believe, you tell them, believe that, well, we think, I think we're working harder than anybody. And I, and I don't, I, and, and what I tell my kids, I, was, I don't think we always work harder. I just think we try to work smarter than other people. Like we're, 
we, we don't overtrain. We're not doing high mileage, but we're doing enough that it gets us by. We're doing, I think we do things in a way that I think will offer them the opportunity to be ready to run well when they want to, not just volume, just all, oh, yeah, let's do a whole bunch and we'll see how good we are because then injury and illness and all that stuff happens. I mean, it's, it's no different than somebody who's training for other sports. I mean, you overtrain, you're going to, you're going to get injured or you're going to get hurt. You know, people say, well, you should be practicing on things. No, sometimes a, a rest day is probably the best thing for you. You know, like you just need to put the ball, don't go to the gym or don't put your shoes on. Just, just don't do anything for 24 hours, you know, and get yourself back and then re-energize. Okay. I'm ready to go again. Yeah. Um, so I think that those days off are good. And, yeah. Yeah. Quality and be a good quantity. teammate. That was a big story. I will say one of the, one of the he, he, he taught us how to be a good teammate. I can give you a story that he made us do my senior year. We were out running these sprints in the, in a football field and it was really raining, pouring rain and it's muddy. And we were seniors and, you know, we thought it was pretty fun because we were was getting you know, splashing with water. So at the end, we decided to grab a couple of sophomores and we we're like dragging them through the water. You know what I mean? Like kind of like pulling them through the water. And, I mean, I think they, I, they weren't like crying or mad or anything, but I think, you know, we thought it was kind of funny. I mean, they were kind of laughing and they came in, they're all stoked and wet and, you know, full of mud and great and asked, what, what happened? And they told them, oh man, he was not happy. Like he made us take their stuff, all their stuff, and he made us go home and wash their stuff. And he goes, you don't ever want to treat your teammates like that. You don't ever want to, because you don't know if you're going to have to count on that guy. You don't want to make them feel that bad. So that, that was a pretty good lesson, you know, that I don't really get into the any kind of hazing stuff or that kind of thing where people are like, I just tell them we aren't, we aren't doing that. You know, this thing. like we'll do little things with a freshman, like, hey, you guys have to carry the things off the bus. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's that's not anything. You know, you got to, you know, they got to carry the coolers to the, you know, that's just that's that's not a, that's a task. I don't think that's punishment. You know, it's like we need to get this done. You're going to do it. That's what we have the freshmen do. Right. But, you know, you know, like that thing was kind of something that was a little over the top. And yeah, I thought that was like, I kind of remembered that a lot. Like, yeah, I guess that really wasn't the smartest thing we should have done. Could have hurt somebody. You know, it was all right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Young and ignorant and do all kinds of goofy things. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. So let's wrap up on a non sport related question and make you think a little bit here. So use your imagination for me and envision a refrigerator and look inside that refrigerator. And pick out one item in their refrigerator that best identifies with who you are as a person and why that item identifies with you. Oh, man, that, that's a hard one. Uh, why one, one thing in the refrigerator? You know, I wouldn't make um, it easy on you. No, this is. Uh, um. I guess I'm going to say ketchup, a ketchup bottle. And then because you can put it in a lot of things and it makes it taste better. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's, I, I feel that I could try to make things better for most people. So like, let's just say, you know, I, I want to try to make it better, you know, enhance, enhance what you want, the flavor you want, enhance what you want to do by trying to add a little bit, you know, something to, to what you already know and what you want to try to accomplish. Perfect. I love it. Catch up first time on a competitive mindset with that answer. I love it. <laughs> Coach Miller, thanks for the time and thanks for sharing some insights with us. Okay. Thanks, Billy.